Well, good evening. At least the weather cleared up here in North Texas. I don't know if you're listening this morning, but there was one thunder that kind of shook the church for a second. Um, but I wanted to talk to you tonight about giving up everything for the cause of Christ. We can see things just, you know, who would have thought a month ago? A month ago, we thought COVID-19 was our worst problem. And reopening up the states was the worst problem. And then George Floyd happened and all the protests that turned into rioting happened. And our nation just watched all this in horror. And um, I just want to say up front, not all the protesters were malicious. I believe that most of them were just sincerely out there protesting. But you have a few with an agenda that came in and instigated and caused the riots and the upset. Um, officials seemed powerless to stop the destruction. I mean, it was just night after night and watching these cities burn and thanking God we were just next to a cow pasture and not in there. But um, properties were just, were, were destroyed. People's lives were destroyed. Some people were even killed. And it was really, you know, it, still happening to a different, now they've moved on to statues where they're just pulling down statues and trying to rename pancake syrup and chocolate, ice cream with chocolate covering on it and different things they're trying to rename. But officials were not feeling any personal loss from this. So they kind of just, I think they just felt like, just let it go. Just let it go. Not every, not every city was like that. But we know the ones that were. Actors and actresses from their walled homes and secured property donated money to bail out the rioters. They didn't donate money to rebuild the cities, but they donated money to rebuild the rioters. And yet... While they were patting them on the head by rewarding them with um, with um, bailing them out, they passed in Beverly Hills. They made a no protest zone so that all the looters and rioters could not destroy their homes and their walled and their in their lifestyles of the rich and famous. So they couldn't destroy that, even though they said, "Okay, you know, it's fine to riot and loot and everything, but just no, don't do it in our place." The mayor of Olympia, Washington, was all in with the rioting until vandals came and destroyed her house. Well, they didn't destroy it. They just, I think they just, um, they just tagged it with some paint and just did some, did some vandal, vandalism. And she supported the violent demonstration. She refused to give a curfew. And when that happened, all of a sudden, the, the rioters were domestic terrorists. And see, it doesn't... You know, it's not fair, she said. It's like domestic terrorism. It hurts when you're giving so much to your community. It hurts. Well, you know, it's all fun and games till it hits your backyard or your house or your children, your home, your business. Everything is okay. We can turn a blind eye to this until it hits and personally affects you. And it's always a different story when it affects you. But now I, I want to... Parallel this because I'm, I'm actually getting somewhere. I'm not going to go on a rant and rave about social justice, 
We'll save that maybe for Wednesday night. But um, now we're going to turn away from the worldly hypocrisy, which is actually, we should just call it what it is. It's hypocrisy because they didn't care if the slums were burned or the low-income houses were burned. They didn't care. But yet they put up a sign in Beverly Hills. They, they said, no, you can't come here. But we always know they were hypocrites anyways because they had walls around their houses and they didn't want any borders. So anyways, we just say amen. Um, we're going to turn away from that. And I want to talk to you as a Christian about being prepared to give up everything for Jesus. Are we like those actors and actresses sitting in their walled homes, watching what's going on with the Christian world, watching what's going on? And if it doesn't affect us, we're quiet and we don't say anything. Is that where we are? And is that who we are? Is it okay just to donate money and to keep quiet and say, I surely hope the Lord comes before this all falls apart. I've got news for you, Christians. We're going to be here when it all falls apart because you can see the seams starting to come apart from the fabric of our society now. So we can't sit like those actors and actresses and be hypocrites. Because when they come to your door, are you going to bow your knee or are you going to stand for Christ? It's easy now. Nobody's at the door of our church. Nobody's at our house. Nobody hasn't denied us service because we're a Christian. But it's coming and it might come a lot quicker than what you think. So that's what I want to talk to you about tonight is are we ready to sell out all for Christ. Just like that, that mayor up in Olympia, Washington. She wasn't ready to give all. It's easy to give away somebody else's stuff, isn't it? Somebody else's house is on fire. You can go and give them a hug and say, here, let me pray for you. Or give them a, a couple of hundred dollars to rebuild. Or whatever makes you feel better to soothe your soul. But what if it's your house on fire? And your memories and your animals, and your stuff. How do you feel then about the protesters? How do you feel then about the world? See, God is trying to get us. We're in this time. We still have time, and we still have time to build a strong foundation in our own lives. Right now, if you were to ask me, Pat, would you stand? I don't know. To be honest, I don't know. But I've taken the challenge. I'm going to be ready when the time comes because I'm not going to bow my knee. I was so sad when I saw these people bowing their knees. I'm going to bow to Jesus. How about you? We were watching a documentary last week. Right now we're watching a lot. Well, when we're not watching old reruns of Hawaii Five-0, the old ones, um, we're watching some documentaries on World War II, and it's really telling when you could look out at the world today and you can see what's happening now happened back in the 30s. See, the devil doesn't have anything new. He just keeps recycling stuff. You talk about people being master recyclers. You've got an enemy who's, who is a master recycler. There is nothing new under the sun. So anyways, we're watching a documentary on Corey Ten Boom. And if, 
If you don't know her, look her up and get some information on her. She died, I think, 1985, but she was a child or a, a young woman during World War II, and her family was a Christian. Her dad was a very strong Christian, and they ended up hiding Jews, and they got caught, and they got sent to a concentration camp. The only one who survived was Corey. So we were watching a documentary about that, and I was okay with that. And then I said, oh, there's the hiding place. Let's watch that. I found out I was not okay. Maybe it was it was too soon watching our nation being destroyed, watching people being killed in the streets, watching all that. Maybe it was just too soon for me, but I, I got halfway through, and thank God we it was time for the news. We shut that off, and I don't know if I can go back to it. It was just watching the progression, watching the the people, how they were acting toward the Jewish people. It, it just got to be too much because I can see exactly what happened then is happening now. If you have a stomach for it, get the hiding place. You don't have to buy it. You can get it right online and watch it. And you'll see, and you'll see where we're going. And you also see a tremendous witness for Christ on that. But I want you to turn to Mark 10. <clears throat> 17. And when he was gone forth in the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked and said, Good master, what shall I do that I may in inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest me good? There is none good but one, that is God. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Defraud not, honor thy mother and father. And he answered and he said unto him, Master, all of these I have observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing that thou lackest. Go thy way, sell whatsoever you have, and give to the poor, that you shall have treasure in heaven, and come, take up your cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and he went away grieved, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked round about, and said unto his disciples, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? He had great possessions. And I just want to personally clear something up because for years I sat and heard this. God did not want this rich man to sow all of his money so he could make him richer. I just want to clarify that because I know some of you have heard the same thing. And um, yes, there's sowing and reaping and I get that. Very rich would have destroyed this man. Rich was on its way to destroy this man. Very rich would have certain would have been certain death. So it wasn't that God wanted to take his possessions from him so that he could give him more and he would be very rich. No, it wasn't that at all. It was the riches were hindering him from coming into the kingdom of God. He had a tight hold on him. So what my question to you tonight is, what are you holding tight? What, what's got a hold of you? Is it your riches? Is it your your family? Sometimes we're so afraid, oh, my family's going to hate me because I love Jesus. And so we, we keep our mouths shut to them to, to make peace. 
you know, being rich, he had a prominent position in the community. He was the rich young ruler. So when you have nothing to lose, your answer to the question might be different than if you have something to lose. Because if I, it's easy for me to say I would give a million dollars to Faith Assembly Church. That's easy for me to say. You know why? Because I don't have a million dollars. So it's like, yeah, if I had a million dollars, I'd give it. Well, do you have a thousand? Well, yeah. Well, will you give it? Well, now you're getting personal. See, sometimes it's easy for us to say, yeah, I give it, but we don't have it. So it's, it doesn't mean anything. But when we get down to the realm of possibility where we have to, where we have the ability to give it, will we give it? Jesus said in Matthew six nineteen and 21, lay up not for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and and rust is corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust does corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The perils of having anything that makes us comfortable is that human nature makes us reluctant to give up those things. I like being comfortable. Don't you like having a full belly? I love having a full belly. I am so glad that I was born in a time when I had electricity and there was heat and we've got air conditioning, central air in Texas. Not just a a window air conditioner. We have central air. I like having a nice bed. I like having all the creature comforts. So I have to ask myself, can I give all this up for the cause of Christ? Now, that's a rhetorical question, because at this point it would be difficult. But you know what? When the time comes, I'm trusting that there's an anointing in me to, in in order to save my life, I'm going to have to lose it. And we'll get to that in a minute. But our money, our property, our reputation, how about giving up your reputation for Christ? Are you willing to do that? And I just want to also balance it. God is not against you having things in this earth. We have things. We have a a brand new car that we bought in September. I'm not against things. I like things. We just bought new phones, partly because we needed it for the, the ministry, but partly because new phones are fun to have. But we're called to be good stewards, and if we work the principles of God, we can have wealth. If we work the principles, we can have a, a position. If we work the principles, we will have a good, strong family. So God's not against that. But as in the case of the rich young ruler, he thought his goodness and his riches were a testimony and a door to eternal life. How many good people do you know that are going straight to hell because they're good people? He was looking to have eternal life bestowed upon him because he was a good person. Being a good person, I mean, it helps your fellow man, but it doesn't help you to get into the kingdom. The rich young ruler asked Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He was looking for some What do I do? You know, where, what program do I get into? What, you know, what 12 steps do I have to do to to inherit eternal life? 
You know, what, who do I have to know? What do I have to do? Eternal life is not a reward because of your good works or because you've accomplished something. It's not like an A-plus on your report card. It's a free gift. There's no eternal life for those that keep all the commandments. Jesus said to him, what? He said, why call me good? He said, you know the commandments. And what was the rich young ruler's response? Oh, I've kept those. I know those. I've done it all my life. I've been a good person. Have you ever met people like that? They're good people. They're not alcoholics. They're not prostitutes. They're good people. And yet, it wasn't good enough for the rich young man to enter into heaven. Jesus said, there's one thing you lack. And that's, you've got to sell all your goods. Not so that you can become very rich. But you've got to sell all your goods because they're hindering you. Because you've got your eyes on keeping your goods. And you've got your eyes on on your position. And you've got your eyes on all that. And that's going to hinder you because when push comes to shove, you're not going to go for the cause of Christ. You're going to go for protecting your goods and protecting your lifestyle, protecting what's important to you. And he was getting the man to see his spiritual condition, but the man couldn't see it. And if he had examined his life more carefully, he would have seen that he did not have the goodness that he thought he had. As a matter of fact, it says in Isaiah, all of our goodness is as filthy rags. Aren't you glad that God has leveled the playing field so all of our goodness is as filthy rags? That means the very rich people. And I look at some of these entertainers and politicians and sports figures, and they are so high and mighty. They think that they are all that. They think that their opinion counts on everything. And when they come before the Lord, they're going to, a lot of them are going to have a, a very rude awakening because they're going to find out that God doesn't even know who they are. And it says that the Bible said that the rich young ruler went away be, very sad because he had great possessions. Are we like that rich young ruler? When push comes to shove, when we say to Jesus, you know, I'm going to give you my all. As we're sitting in the comfort of our homes, when we're sitting there with a bowl of ice cream, when we're sitting there with our televisions and our computers and our nice clothes and our good bed and our comfort. And the knock comes on the door and there's soldiers that come in. And you might say, well, that's exaggerating. This is America. Take a look outside and see what's happening. Open your eyes. Then what are you going to do? Are you going to deny Christ? Or if you can't buy or sell because you won't take the mark. Oh, hope that that's in the future. You know, Jesus is going to come before then. We don't know. Nobody knows the time or the day that he comes. We're supposed to be witnesses on here. We're supposed to be willing to give up our lives for Christ. How do you know that your witness, when you refuse to do something, I mean, you've got to read the Bible. The three Hebrew children had to make a stand. Literally, they would not bow. It wasn't that God took them out of the trial. God's not going to take us out of things because he's looking at that other person with love. He's looking at 
these hard-hearted people with love. And he's going to put us before somebody so our witness can be a testimony to them. What happened after Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not bend? They would not bend or burn. And that song was going over through my head all day today. What happened? They got out of the fire. Nebuchadnezzar said, that is the one true God and we will serve him. So see, we don't know what our testimony is going to be, but we've got to be willing to give our life for it. They said, whether we, buy, whether we burn or whether God rescues us, we're not going to bow our knee. They didn't know what was going to happen. But, and I'm sure they were looking at the flames. I'm sure inside of them they were thinking, this is it. But God had a special plan for them. And he's got a special plan for us. He's got that way of escape for us. When the time comes to make a stand for Christ, to give everything that we have for him. There will be a grace for you. Please remember that. Put that down in your heart. So when things get scary and there's a knock at your door or you're out in the public or whatever's going to happen, that you'll have the answer and you won't be afraid. If we choose the side of the Lord, we may be forced to give up our money, our possessions, our homes and our positions. Or are we just going to get a, go along to get along? I don't want to go along to get along. I'm not going to bow my knee right now and apologize because God gave me this skin color. I'm not going to do it. I won't do it. Are we going to compromise our Christian witness in these last days? Because we will be ridiculed. We will be mocked. We will be bullied. We may even be put to death for our Christian witness. We have to get ready. The time is short. In Matthew sixteen twenty four twenty six, it says, Then Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is man... What is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? How much, how true these words are. So, you know, I've read these for years. I've been a Christian for over 30 years now. And I've read those words. But they're, they're becoming more and more pertinent to my life. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. You'll lose your life if you want to hold on to your house and your possessions and your things. You'll lose your eternal life. Don't go along to get along. And you don't have to be ugly about it. I've seen Christian witnesses be ugly. You don't need to be like that. They'll tell you that you are. I mean, right now, everything is just everything is just so strange. I'm not spending as much time on Facebook as I used to. Because it's just, it's an ugly, it's an ugly atmosphere right now and I don't like it. But right now the warning is going out to get ourselves together spiritually. 
You've got to get over the things. If you're still depressed over your childhood, if you're still depressed over your marriage, if you're still depressed over something that somebody said to you in the church 10 years ago, get over it and pick up your sword and start fighting. Make sure your foundation is sure on the word of the God. Don't build your foundation on shifting sand. Right now it's so imperative. We've got to learn to trust in the Lord with all of our heart. Lean not on your own understanding. It's imperative in this hour. Get over those things that so easily beset you. Because the Lord is coming soon. But one day is like a thousand years to the Lord. So, hallelujah. We could be here for ten more years. It doesn't mean that he's right around the corner in, you know, July 1st. He's coming. A lot of us would sure love it because it's starting to look like a sewer out in, out in public. But it's not going to happen like that. I can guarantee you that we're going to be here for trouble because trouble's already beginning. It's the beginning of the birth pangs. So Jesus, he gave his all for us. And you look at what he went through. He was beaten, he was mocked, he was crucified, and he was an innocent man. He was the only one in history who could say he kept all the commandments. And yet he suffered as a, crim- as a common criminal. Are we going to be able to take this coming persecution, even though we will be innocent? We don't know. We'll have to see, won't we? Coming closer. Isaiah 53, 3 through 7. He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, for our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. It says a lot. It says when the persecution comes, we're to stand in our place. We're to open our mouths when God tells us to open our mouths. We're not to be screaming that it's not fair. We already know it's not fair. We already know that this world isn't fair. We're supposed to be in this world, but not of this world. We have to look up, see your life as having a higher purpose. We cannot hold the things of this life too tightly, no matter what it is. I love my husband with all of my heart, but I can't let him be an idol in my life. We must be willing to give up whatever God asks of us. We're coming to the point of decision. Will you be like the rich young ruler and walk away from Jesus because you you don't want to give up your possessions? Or are you going to be like Jesus and follow in his footsteps? That's what the question is today. Jesus encourages us to follow him. 
We need to follow Jesus, follow him with all of our heart. Follow him when it hurts. Follow him when we don't understand. Follow him when we don't feel like it. We need to follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. This world, it's not going to get better. I have news for you. But the stronger you get in the Lord, the more you'll be able to see God's spiritual plan. He wants us to be witnesses. There's still people. He said, look out. In John, he said, the harvest is white, but the laborers are few. We need to be witnesses in this last hour to people that we meet. Even though it might be uncomfortable, we need to get so close to God that we can hear his voice, even in the midst of a crowd where he says, that person, I want you to go over and talk to that person. Or when you're in the store, that person. Or when you're driving and all of a sudden you have a detour and you can't figure out why is there a detour. And then there's somebody on the side of the road or there's something there that God wants us to do. We have to be sensitive in the spirit and willing to go. And not just consider our own selves. But I want to close with this encouragement Because God's always encouraging us in the race that we're leading down here. Have you ever figured out that once you got born again, God didn't just take you up to heaven? That would be the right time to do it. Okay, that one's saved. Bring them up here before they mess up. Well, it didn't work like that. And I'm glad that it didn't work like that for my friend Wendy, who was the witness to get me to be born again. Why do you think we're still here? We can enjoy heaven, but we can have heaven on earth. You can, you can have a good life here. You can enjoy, even though things are going all the way around you. And I'm not saying be ignorant about the things going on, because ignorant is not, ignorance is not bliss. It's not. I don't even think that that's really the way that that proverb goes. I know it's it's not a proverb from the Bible, but I know that's not the way the saying goes i think it's if ignorance is bliss then tis folly to be wise and then something else um but anyways ignorance is not bliss you need to know what's going on you just don't need to be consumed about it so i want to close with this in john 15 and i want to encourage you if you go back and you read the whole chapter i'm going to read pretty much the whole chapter but i just started at verse 8 just so I wouldn't read the whole chapter, so you would stick with me for a little bit. It says in verse 8, it says, Herein is my Father glorified, that we bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Right there, I mean, why don't we just close there? Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Why do you have to have full joy? Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. We can... You can grieve 
over what's happening. As Pastor said this morning, he was talking about Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. But what sustained Jeremiah was the joy in his heart, knowing that God is in control. God is going to keep you, even if you get martyred, God is going to keep you. Even if something bad happens, and read the Bible, read about the Apostle Paul, how many times and things that he went through. But he didn't stop. And he still, he was, he was what, dead three times? I don't remember the whole thing. But you can go back and read about him. He went through quite a bit. And different saints of God, the things that they went through, but always came out with the same testimony. But the Lord kept me. Stephen, when he was being stoned, he looked up and he said, I see the Lord. And what happened, it only made them even worse. It just made them crazy. But through that, he was a witness. And that's how Saul of Tarsus got saved. See, so it's not. There's senseless killings in this world that don't make any sense. And then when people are martyred or people are um, hurt, that looks like unnecessarily, you've got to look at, see what happens with the fruit of that. Like with Stephen. I don't even think those stones hurt him because they said he went to sleep. And I believe that if we're in danger of being brutally martyred, that God has got like an anesthesia around us. And it's not going to hurt. And if it does hurt, it's only going to be for a little bit. And then we'll be with the Lord. It says, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even I have, as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. It's time to put down pettiness in the body of Christ. It's time to put down denominational labels. If we believe in being born again, we need to help each other. We need to be recognized that we've got brothers and sisters all over this nation in different churches. And and even in this community, there's different churches that love the Lord. We love them. We'll help them if we can. Why? Because we're in the body of the body of Christ. It's not, you know, well, this is my church and we're going to help grow my church. I want God to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And we're not competing with one another. You shouldn't be anyways. I mean, I know that there's some people that do compete in the body, but we shouldn't be like that. Greater love has no man than this. That a man laid down his life for his friends. Jesus left that as an example. He laid down his life for us. You are my friends. If you do whatever I, whatsoever I command you. Okay, there's condition. Sometimes we sing that song, I am a friend of God. And it says here, you're my friends. But then there's a little condition to it. If. If you do whatever I command you to do. If you don't do whatever he commands you to do, you're not his friend. It's like I've got friends that disagree with me politically. 
and they have tried to poke the bear and tried to make me react, they're not really my friends. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what this Lord, what his Lord do, does. But I have called you friends, for all the, all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. And we have to pray, God, give us the anointing, give us the power to endure these last days. These things I command you that you love one another. If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Well, that should answer some questions, right? He told you right there very clearly, the world doesn't like you. He doesn't like, the world doesn't like me. Why? Because the devil is the father of this world or he's the head or the prince or whatever he is of this world he, he is in control of the people even though he's been defeated he's been allowed to operate in this world look at the media look at movies look at all these things that is controlled by the devil remember the word that i say unto you the servant is not greater than his lord if they have persecuted me they will also persecute you. If they have kept my sayings, they would keep yours as well. All right, so they did persecute Jesus. So guess what? If we're going to follow him, they're going to persecute us too. But all these things they will do unto you for my name's sake, because they know, they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they would have had no sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not had sin. But now they have both seen and both hated me and my father. But this comes to pass that the word might be fulfilled that it is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But when the comforter is come, whom I will send Unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me. And you shall also bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. Be a good witness for the Lord. Make up your mind while now, while things are still easy. Make up your mind. And then say, God, search me. Like the rich young ruler had that opportunity to examine himself when Jesus asked him all those questions. You know, have you kept the commandments? We do this with children's church. The easiest way to get somebody to to see if they need salvation. Have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen anything? Have you ever cheated? Well, uh, uh, well, all right, if you've done that one thing, then you've broken all the commandments. And see, the rich young ruler failed to examine himself. So we need to examine ourselves, see exactly where we are spiritually. And then where we are weak, he is strong. But we need to acknowledge that weakness and say, God, put a fight into me and a resolve into me that I'm not going to be looking for you so I can get out of what's uncomfortable. 
See, that's what a lot of Christians are doing. They're looking for Jesus to come before it gets too bad. Because, I mean, you, you've got to... You've got to live under a rock not to see things the way they are right now. Things are pretty bad out there. And to ask Jesus to come and take us out before we have given our witness to people is eternally selfish. If, if I'm taken out of here before I can get somebody else to come with me, it's selfish. And we can't be selfish even though our flesh wants to go, oh, Jesus, you know, I'm comfortable and I don't want to be. Don't make me uncomfortable. We can't have that. We've got to examine ourselves and we have to do it. You know, you've heard messages like this over the years, but now it's coming closer and closer. We have to examine our true spiritual condition. See where we are in our spiritual condition. And ask God where, where we've got weaknesses to shore us up. And to help us to know that God is with us no matter what. We have to lay aside these things. Listen, if you're still crying over the past, you have to get over it. You simply have to get over it at this point. If you're what they did to you or whatever, you have to get over it. A good soldier isn't always looking back. A good soldier is looking forward saying, yes, sir, what would you have me to do? We have to be good soldiers for the Lord. He, we are all he has on this planet to get other people to be born again. We are all that he has. So we have to get our, our spiritual house in order. And it has to be quickly. Just lay aside those things. These things don't matter. It doesn't matter. Listen, I've been hurt in churches. You've been hurt in churches. It doesn't matter. Let it go. Let it drop. It's not going to matter. What's going to matter in a hundred years is what we have done for Christ. I don't want to die and get up there and find out that I really blew it because I was trying to stay comfortable in this lifetime. There is another lifetime after this. This is just a tiny, tiny lifetime. And look at it, it's already June. It seems like yesterday I was in New England. It's already June, and it's almost July. So we're going to pray, and if you can just give me some music, because I like music. So I hope I didn't step on your toes too much, but I'm concerned about your soul. It's strong preaching, um, but it'll make you feel good if you can, if you can take it. You know, but most of all, he says, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid when you see these things happening. Read in your Bible about the end times and what he says. And he says, mostly, he says, don't be afraid. Fear not. It'll be all right. You know, it's like when you're going to go for some kind of test or something, you don't want to do it. Before you know it, it's over with. This life is but a breath. So I just want to pray with you right now. Heavenly Father, I thank you for what you laid on my heart. And Lord, help us to be people that are going to not compromise when it comes down to the wire. But Father God, we would stand strong and we would make you proud. Father, there's other people out there that need to hear, hear about Jesus. 
And Lord, you have us kept on this planet for a reason. Whether we reap, whether we sow, whether we're the ones that are sent, whether we're the ones that are supposed to be praying. Father, whatever our part is to gather in the harvest, show us what it is. Father, for those who have just held on to grudges, held on to hatreds and hurts, Father, you have an anointing for them to let them go. Father, it's sometimes it's just a habit, and sometimes we're afraid to let things go because we just don't know how to act otherwise. But Lord, tonight, just for those who are willing to move forward, that they would be willing to let go of the past. And Father, that we would take to heart, and we would be those people that we could say, Here am I, send me. Father, that you would help us to examine ourselves spiritually. And Father, we could see where we lack. And that we could shore that place up with the help of the Holy Spirit. And Father God, that we can, when we see you face to face, that you would say, Well done, good and faithful servant. Father, we just thank you. We pray a blessing over each and every person. Lord, that they would become more sure and secure. And Holy Spirit, I just thank you for those who who have felt anxiety and stress over watching the news, those who have felt that. Father, I just pray that your joy just hit them. Father, that the joy of the Lord, that they would be stirred up in their belly. And Father, they would look up to you. They would have good night's rest. We speak to all that anxiety and stress in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, be gone. In the name of Jesus. And Father, that we would have restful nights, peaceful nights. Because we can trust in you. Lord, you don't slumber or sleep. You watch over us 24-7. Father, there's angels guarding our doors. Father, we are thanking you. We just thank you, Lord, for everything that you're going to get us through. And we're going to be proud soldiers in the army of God right to the end until we see your face. Some of us are going to see Jesus in the clouds. Other of us are not going to be, be here. But, Lord, either way, when we see your face, we'll know that we've made it to the end. And we just give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Great word from the Lord tonight for the body of Christ, for us as believers. You know, God is God's stirring the nest. He's stirring our hearts. You know, we're, we're, we've got to prepare ourselves for what God is doing and what God is going to do and what God wants to do. We have to prepare ourselves and prepare our hearts and let God just come in and fill us, and so we can be that witness that God's called us to be. And we don't have to have a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind, because God's on our side. As we leave tonight, we're going to just do this little course. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting 
of my soul. Bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Here's my cup, fill it up, Lord. And make me whole. Now where you are tonight, in your living room, your bedroom, wherever you might be, just lift your hand and say, Here's my cup, Lord. I lift it up, Lord. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Oh, bread of heaven, feed me till I want no more. Here's my cup, fill it up, Lord, make me whole. You know, tonight, if you just lift your hands right where you are, Father, you see the hands of every person. Worshiping you in their spirit and in truth. God, just quench the thirst. Let your peace settle like a blanket over their hearts and minds now. Your peace that only you can give. And the joy which is their strength, let it rise and bubble up within their spirit man now. And Father, we just give you praise. We give you glory and honor. Lord, we thank you for the confidence and assurance that we have in your word. And knowing that you're with us, and you'll never leave us nor forsake us, but you're with us always, even to the end of the world. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us tonight, and we just trust that you received something from the Lord. And I know that it was a great message. She's been sharing it with me through the week, and I'll tell you what. Some things I'd never seen. You know, I'd heard the same thing, that that rich young ruler just, he's supposed to give everything he had so God could make him richer. That's not what it was. We've got to give all we have to the Lord. Everything. Give it to Him. Because things don't matter anyway. <laughs> but we, God knows we need things in this earth, and He will supply our things that we need. But you know what? We have to give our whole heart to the Lord. Amen. Well, we want to remind everyone, Wednesday night at 6 o'clock, we're having service. Be here at 545 when the doors open. And we're going to just believe God for a great time of fellowship in the Lord. And let God just continue to bless. God bless you. Have a great week in the Lord. Amen.